lift holy hands to the Lord because he is worthy of our praise. God bless you on this glorious morning as we gather in God's house to celebrate him, to lift his name and to worship him. God loves to inhabit our praise. And for him to inhabit it, that means we have to send something up. Send up a sound of our adoration and love for the Lord, so much so that it's a sweet-smelling fragrance to his lips. Good morning, CTC family. Our scripture this day is found in Psalm chapter 18, verses 1 to 3. And these are the words of the Lord. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. What a mighty God we serve. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The word of God. King David wrote this psalm when he, he sang this psalm to the Lord, when the Lord rescued him from his enemies and from Saul. So God has always been in the rescuing business. And let's look to the Lord and give him our prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. You made it, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Father God, regardless of our circumstances, because I know there are some here whose heart are heavy, but because you are our fortress, we can find rest in you. We can find peace comfort, love, and unspeakable joy. And for those, Father, who were just waking up with a smile on their lips and a song in their heart, bless us all, Lord, regardless of our circumstances. Please pour out your spirit on this worship experience. Bless the mouths who sing the songs, who greet and Father God, by an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on your manservant, the man who you called to be the shepherd of this household of faith, anoint him anew. Bless him richly, Lord, as he delivers the word. And bless us as we hear it. We ask these things in your mighty, matchless, all-powerful name. And that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. Scouts is one of the ministries of our church that helps us spread the message of the gospel. On September 19th, we will be hosting a community day in connection with our scouting ministry. On that day, we will be having a car show, carnival games, inflatables, and food trucks. It will be a day the whole family can enjoy. In addition, you will be able to see demonstrations by the Scouts and find out how your child can get involved. We need an army of volunteers to make this day happen. 
Next weekend, we will have more information on how you can serve. Sports is a great way to learn self-discipline and build relationships. Upward Sports is a Bible-based sports league that combines learning the game with learning scriptural principles. Registration is now open for flag football and cheerleading leagues. These are open to boys and girls ages kindergarten through eighth grade. We're also in need of coaches for both of these. Practices are held once a week for one hour and will begin the week of August 29th. Games will be once a week starting in mid-September. You will find a registration link on our website. Before COVID, many of you were involved in our greeting ministry. As we have reopened and our on-site attendance has increased, we are planning to restart this ministry. On Wednesday night, September 1st at 7 p.m., there will be a meeting of anyone who is interested in serving as a greeter. Even if you have greeted before, we are asking everyone to attend this meeting. We will share with you our vision for the ministry and how we plan to get there. No need to sign up. Just join us at 7 p.m. on September 1st. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church. Or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the Request Prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. We're so glad you're here today. Whether you're in the celebration room with us or if you're with us online, praise God for you today. We want to always connect with each and every one of you. So toward that end, we ask that at your table or at your chair, you, or if you're online, you can press the Connect tab. There's a Connect card where you can list your demographic information, but most importantly, where you can list your prayer concerns because we love to pray for you. All prayers are confidential and various teams and the church meet throughout the week to pray over your needs because we want to petition the Lord on your behalf. If you're new here and you're in the room, after service, please, as you exit the celebration room to the left, you will find a welcome center. Please stop by. Either one of our pastors or one of our trained hosts will greet you and make you feel especially welcome. If you're new here and you're online, then please... Um, fill out the, the information there, saying the new here tab, excuse me, the new here tab. Complete the information there, and Pastor Bill's team will reach out to you in the coming days. At Christ the Cornerstone, you hear us using three words often. These words are repeated every time. They're on all of our logos and things like that, and the, those three words are love. We gather together to love God and to share God's love with all people. We serve. We grow in our faith when we use the gifts that God has given us, the abilities, the talents, the resources. We serve God and we serve others. And we engage. We engage one another in, in fellowship. We engage one another in small groups. We engage one another in prayer. And we go out to engage the world with this good news that Christ has given to us. So, so serving and using your gifts 
your abilities is crucial. And uh, you heard the announcement about greeters. And uh, so I encourage you, even if, as, as Lynn said on the, on the video, if you have uh, greeted in the past, uh, we're changing some things up and we want you to gather together on September 1st and do that. We need you. Uh, and remember, Pastor Paul used to say, you are loved, wanted, and needed. And uh, that is still, still true. We also practice generosity here. And so you have an opportunity to give using what God has given to you out of out of the gratefulness of your own heart. Give to others, he says. And we have some principles here that we follow. And here's principle number five. And I ask you to read this out loud with me, if you would, please. We give to and through the local church in support of various needs. And I am so proud of this congregation for the ways in which we are able to give generously to many, many people, individuals, as well as different organizations that, that, uh, that we support that are doing ministry also. And here's a scripture verse to help us uh, ground what we are doing in scripture. So let's read this together, too. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. As you give, there, you have an envelope, or if you're giving online, you can just uh, use the, the, the online uh, giving service that we have. Uh, there are baskets at the doorway. You can place your offering envelopes and your connect cards in those baskets as we leave, and that way stay in touch. Let's continue to worship our Lord, and I invite you as you are able to stand together. Join us online in singing as the team comes back. Let's stand and let me offer this prayer uh, as we move forward. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we have to gather and to worship you. You already are here with us, but as we continue to sing, come and inhabit the praises of your people. Lift up our hearts. Guide us in the direction that is pleasing to you and right for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
part one of this series, we learned about the character of Jesus. Now that we know who he is, we can talk about what it's like to live for him. Even though the Christian life has its victories and rewards, we cannot expect it to be without struggles, sufferings, confrontations, sacrifices, trials. But in all these things, Jesus is there, equipping us and bringing us hope. If we give him the chance, even though he asks us to give up everything, he will prove that every step of the journey is worth it. Mark my words. All of you here this morning as we gather together to hear God's word. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And uh, thank you, God. Thank you for your singing. Uh, it's beautiful to hear the people of God singing, praising. God inhabits the praises of his people. And as we sing, the Holy Spirit comes to us and helps us communicate so that we know that we have been in and are in the presence of the Lord. So I give God thanks that you're here this morning and that God is, is coming and blessing us today. In our series, Mark My Words... We're in the second part of the series, and there are several parts to the second part. <laughs> We're pulling everything apart. We're asking the question, what is life with Jesus like? And we're answering this again as we did in the first part with one word from each chapter of the book of Mark. And the word today is hopeful. Life with Jesus gives us hope. We need hope. We need things to look forward to, especially in our world today, whether it's my own stuff or whether I'm looking at the, the, the things around the globe. My God, I need hope because there are so many things that can bring us down. Life with Jesus brings hope to our lives. You know who a Debbie Downer is, right? If you ever watch Saturday Night Live, which I haven't done in many years because it's so late on Saturday nights, and, and I'm working on Saturday evening, we've got a worship service, and I'm getting up early on Sunday mornings. I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but they've got skits called De Debbie Downer, and, and if you watch them, they're just funny. It's no fun to make fun of somebody's misery, but that Debbie Downer makes me laugh. Or maybe you have somebody at work that you've described as a negative Nancy. Don't be a negative Nancy. Or we're all familiar with Winnie the Pooh's sad friend, right? What's his name? Eeyore. Eeyore. Or, you know, we say, have somebody, we're in, a, we're in a meeting at work, and there's the, there's the person there that's always saying, we can't do that. No, you can't do that. And we call them a naysayer. Or children, you go to a party, <laughs> and there's somebody there just miserable all the time. We call that person a party. <laughs> Can I say that word in church? Jesus, the story that we're looking at, as we look at this, this chapter that brings hope to us, we're seeing how Jesus pours water on the, the enjoyment and the excitement of his own disciples. And we're, we're looking at this story. Let's, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 13. And it starts out this way. And you see, I've got a little balloon here this morning, you know. 
Another way we use to describe somebody that... Uh, there's all kinds of euphemisms to describe putting down somebody's enthusiasm, and I just said pouring water onto it. But sometimes we say, we call, somebody, you just burst my bubble. So I got a bubble here. Let me get it started. Chapter, thir- chapter 13, verse 1. We begin reading. It's page 843 if you want to follow along in the Bibles that we got here, or we've got it on the screen. We're going to read the entire chapter, so just hang on with this and and try to follow along with the the story. It's so important to me at times to read larger portions of Scripture rather than just just one verse. It helps you get a context of all that Jesus is saying, and, and a lot of times so much more meaning comes out of that or has so much more impact. Plus... You see that this is a point that Jesus is making, not just a point that the preacher is making. He uses one verse, and you've got to take my word for it that this is what Jesus is saying. So we look at the larger context of it, and I think it gives it more authority because you see how to interpret Scripture that Jesus is saying these things. So in verse 1 of chapter 13, Mark tells us, as Jesus was leaving the temple that day, now let's pause and remember what Jesus was leaving that day as he was leaving the temple. Remember in, ch- in chapter 12, what we studied last week, Jesus had, had confronted in a very powerful way the Jewish leaders. And Jesus, Jesus was, I mean, he was just coming down on them, calling them hypocrites. And, and, and that's what Jesus is walking away from. He's leaving the temple on that same day. And as they're leaving the temple, one of his disciples says, Teacher, Look how magnificent, uh, the, look at these magnificent buildings. And he's blowing his bubble. He's getting enthused. Look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. He's just looking at the rocks that they, they carved out of a, a quarry from someplace, and he's all excited. He's admiring the workmanship. He's admiring what somebody else for centuries had, had, had done or ages before, generations before, had already done. And you can see he's excited about it. Look at the beauty of this. And, and if you saw images or pictures of Herod's temple, the renovations that King Herod had brought. And King Herod was an amazing builder when he was ruling. And so this was a beautiful temple, white marble and gold all over the place. It was indeed magnificent. And so the disciple is saying, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings and the impressive stones in the walls. And Jesus agreed, Yes, look at these great buildings. You can hear the enthusiasm. And then Jesus says, But. (laughs) They will be completely torn, demolished. Oh. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. Oh, come on, Jesus. What a Debbie Downer. 
I'm just trying to say what, what amazing thing God has done and how wonderful it is to come into this place. How many of us have gone into a cathedral, or even into a church, and, and years after years of being in that church, we say, oh, this is so beautiful to be here. This is the place where I grew up. This is the place where I got married. This is the place where we baptized my children. There are so many emotional connections. And Jesus says, but... And he bursts our bubble. I should get a pen and just go, boom. But I don't. I do. <laughs> Jesus, come on. Lighten up a little bit. Can you? Well, let's listen. Now he's got our attention. He's got their attention. And Jesus says, yes, look at these great buildings. But they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And later Jesus continued walking. You can imagine the, the silent walk that they had after that. Okay. I don't know what kind of, what, what's up with Jesus today, but apparently he's in a bad mood. And they're remembering the conversation, the confrontation that Jesus had with the other Jewish leaders. And so, okay, we're just going to give Jesus some space, let him calm down, kind of like those times when, when I get upset and, 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 uh, uh, and, and Carolyn's trying to, my wife is trying to settle me down. And, and I say, I am calm. And she says, no, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> Let's give Jesus some space. Let's let him calm, calm down. So later... Verse 3 says, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked. They ganged up on Jesus. We don't know what's going to happen. Let's send the, let's send the closest disciples to Jesus. I don't want to go talk to Jesus. I still have these questions. James, Peter, John, Andrew, we're going to send you to go see, see if he's calmed down a little bit. So they went over to Jesus and they said, tell us, when will all this happen? I mean, if somebody's going to burn down your house, wouldn't you kind of want to know when it's going to happen? <laughs> tell us when these things will happen. What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Circle that word fulfilled in your Bible or in your mind. Here it comes. Jesus replied, Don't let anyone mislead you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. And, and they were right. But what they expected the Messiah to do isn't what Jesus did. Totally. He's got another plan. And he says, They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But do not panic. As we read through this chapter, we're going to hear Jesus say some very clear instructions, some commands. And this first command is this, do not panic. It reminds me of, you know, kayaking was one, is, is, is a fairly new sport that, I, that I've enjoyed and and I was able to, to buy a used kayak, and we've been doing some of that. And I was looking at, at the, the Brandywine Creek, the Brandywine River that flows through um, Wilmington. And uh, I was looking at an aerial view of it because I want to go down, uh, I want to kayak down the Brandywine. And so I was looking to see where are there places where I can and can't. And there are a couple places in the, along the Brandywine River that have these very low dams 
built up. They, they, they don't stop the water, but what these dams do is they allow the river to flow over the dam, and what that does is it slows the river down so that it doesn't erode certain areas. And uh, so I saw one of these dams, and I got thinking about it. Could I still take my kayak over that dam? It might only be a three or four foot, maybe a two foot, maybe even just a one foot fall. I could probably get my kayak over there, but I am not skilled, so don't worry. I'm not going to do it. But in my imagination, I was pretending that I was. Because <laughs> in my imagination, I am everything. <laughs> just come on, you are too. And in my imagination, I imagined going over that those falls. But what if my kayak got turned sideways? Here we got the Boy Scout leader over here, and he's saying to me, Roger, you're an idiot, and don't go over there. But what if my kayak got turned sideways? So instead of going forward and, you know, the, the point of my kayak going over, if, the, if I went over it sideways, and I got stuck in that rolling water that's at the bottom of the falls, I'd be a, I'm in danger. But I'm sure that there is a way out of that somehow, and somebody could probably do it if they're skilled enough and to, to know what to do to get out of that, but I don't. But if I got caught in that, I was thinking, and in my imagination, the first thing that I said to myself is, think. Don't panic if you're in that. Because if you panic, you're done. Jesus is telling us we're going to see all kinds of things happening in this world. Things that are going to destroy the things that we love. Things that are going to destroy the things that we counted on. Things that are going to destroy those things, those organizations, those, those ideas that we always counted on. And Jesus is saying, look at this, this magnificent temple, but all these things that you think are forever will be destroyed. Do not panic. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to keep our minds, we have to keep our hearts engaged. When things happen to us, we cannot panic. Jesus is teaching us this. Don't panic. But let's do something else. And Jesus says, uh, continuing in verse 7, Yes, these things must take place, but the end... Circle the word the end. We circled the word fulfill. And here we're circling the word the end. The end won't follow immediately. And he says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world. Has there been a war recently around the world? Has there been an earthquake recently around the world? As well as famines? I'm just quoting Jesus, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Don't panic. Know that these things are going to happen. We have to have a realistic view of the world and a realistic view of life. But, and know that these are only the beginning, the first of the birth pains with more to come. Listen how Jesus is using our own human bodies to help us understand. I don't think there's a man in this room or a man who's watching or listening who understands a birth pain. We, oh, Pastor Vaughn over here. What, <laughs> is, was, that, was that an amen? <laughs> that was a, I don't. Amen. Thank you. But Jesus is, Jesus is communicating to us in a very powerful way. Because a mother knows when those birth pains begin that it's not the end. It's not the end. It might be the end of her pregnancy. 
But it's the beginning of something else. Jesus wants us to know this. He says in verse 9, when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. The government, listen to what Jesus is saying. The local government is going to rebuke you. It's going to criticize you. And not only the local council, but the religious organizations are also going to rebuke you. You will be beaten in the religious places, Jesus warns us. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. So just following Jesus is going to cause us to experience these things. We've got to be aware of this. I remember my dad telling me one day after, I don't know how old I was, but uh, he, he said, that, <laughs> uh, he was probably joking a little bit when he said this, but he always said, I promised your mother when I asked her to marry me, He said that he said, (laughs) I never promised you a rose garden. We have to be realistic in these things. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. Being a follower of Jesus is going to cause people to to, uh, ridicule us and persecute us. Look at the next phrase. The next word, but... But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Jesus has just revealed to us the purpose, not only of all these experiences that we're going to face, but also the purpose that we as followers of Jesus have. And the purpose that we have is to bring glory to God and to tell all the world about Jesus. And then he says, verse 10, for the good news. I'm going to replace the word for with the word because. Because, that's the word, what the word for means. He's telling us why. Why do we tell them about you, Jesus? Because the good news must first be preached to all the nations. Have we done that, church? Have we told all nations about the love of God? Have we told all nations about Jesus' work on the cross? Have we told all the nations? And and look what Jesus is telling us. This is our job. Ours. Not mine, because God called me to be the leader of this congregation. But it's yours, church. You who... Have your faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying, expect these things, and it is your responsibility to tell others about me. Because the good news first, before any of these things can end, you have got to preach the good news to all nations. And Jesus says, again, the word but shows up. When you are arrested and you stand trial, here's another command. Don't worry. Don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you to say at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit in you. And then he goes on, verse 12, A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents. 
and cause them to be killed. Lord Jesus, save us. And everyone will hate you because, there's that word again, you are my followers. What is the cause of the hate? It's because we follow Jesus. Let me say that again. It's very clear here in the Scripture. Us following Jesus causes those who don't follow Jesus to turn against us with hate. So don't blame them for their hate. Blame yourself. (laughs) I chose to follow Jesus. And I'm going to expect others to not understand, to say these things. Why do they have to be so mean? We're just doing what's right. Here in America, where we've been protected for hundreds of years, and, 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 and the government still protects our right to worship the way we want to worship. We should beware that the government may not always protect that right. Beware, brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible doesn't promise us that we will live in a nation that will protect us. The Bible, Jesus more clearly promises us that we will face persecution. And we in America, American Christians, have have enjoyed a persecution-free life that we do not know what it's like. And we think of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and in other nations who now are hiding in their homes, reading the only, the only scriptures they have or the scriptures that they have memorized in their head. We must pray for them. The day is coming. Let's see, where was I? Verse 12. Verse 13, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but, again, there's that word, but, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus, save us. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious object cause cause that, let me read that again, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where it should not be. What he's reading, what he's referring to there is that the sacrilegious event, really, we believe in some ways that this prophecy was fulfilled in the year 70 A.D. when the Roman Empire stormed the city of Jerusalem and literally tore down the temple that Jesus is standing in now. And it has never been rebuilt since then. But I think there's a greater meaning because, well, let me keep reading. I'm getting bogged down in the reading. It's a long chapter. He says, the, 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 the religious places, those sacred places will be desecrated is what he's saying. And then Mark adds, read or pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof, you don't have time to go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. Forget your coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter. And are there Christians, are there non-Christians in Afghanistan fleeing for their lives today? For there will be greater anguish in those days, greater anguish in those days than at any time since God created the world. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive. But for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. And then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there's the Messiah, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up, and they will perform signs and wonders, so as with the purpose of deceiving you, if possible, and even God's chosen ones. Beware, 
Watch out. I have warned you about this ahead of time. Remember what started this conversation? Look at these magnificent buildings. And he quickly bursts the bubble and he's still, all right, Jesus, <laughs> I get it, I get it, relax. And then he quotes scripture at that time. He says, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. Everyone will see, everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. He will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from around the world. And from the farthest ends of the earth and from heaven. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. So now he's answering their other question. When will these things happen? Learn a lesson about the timing of this from the fig tree. When its branches and bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. So in the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. And I tell you, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the hour, or when, the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. Don't fall asleep. Don't get lazy. Don't get relaxed. We have work to do. You have a job to do. What was that job? Tell all nations about me, Jesus says. This is our job. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. He told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening at midnight before dawn or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives Without warning, how many of you have dozed off at work and then all of a sudden the boss walks in? Boom! <laughs> how many of you have been playing a game on the computer at work? All of a sudden somebody holding you accountable walks past. Click! Back to the spreadsheet you were working on. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. Stay focused on the task that he has given to us. I say to, I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Is Jesus burst your bubble or are you getting excited? Remember, this is a story about hope. And how the, 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 the disciples walking through the temple, they, they walk through and, and they see these magnificent things in which they have hope. But Jesus says, don't place your hope in the wrong thing. Place your hope in me. Because all these things will go away, but I will not trust in Jesus. There's only one thing that I want to go back to in this thing. And there's a, there's a three-letter word that I've already pointed out to us. The word E-N-D. End. 
We see the word end in verse 7, and we see the word end in verse 13. So let's go back to those verses and understand what Jesus, what, what this word end means. Oftentimes, we think when we get to the end, it's over. There is nothing after the end. I love pizza. And usually on Friday nights, it's pizza night. And when my kids were younger, it was always pizza night. <laughs> and when the eighth slice of pizza was gone... We opened the next box. <laughs> and when the next box was gone, we came to the end of our pizza. And there was no more. Sad. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what this word end means to Jesus. And even in the, the original language of the, the New Testament, in the Greek language, the word end does not mean it's gone. If it meant that it's gone, if Jesus says when the world comes to an end, it's gone. Some people believe that. But that is not what Jesus is saying here. Let's go back to this idea of a pregnancy. When the end of the pregnancy comes, what's gone? The life of the child? No! The life of the child continues. The end was only a birth. There's something after the end. In other words, Jesus knows that. And this word in the Greek is, is pronounced telos. We would use the English letters T-E-L-O-S to spell this. Telos. And what it means is it has come to fulfillment. Just like, just like a pregnancy, the, the, the end of a pregnancy is not the end of the mother and it's not the end of the child. The end of the pr pregnancy is the pregnancy's fulfillment. You've heard of a pregnant pause? <laughs> and you would be greatly disappointed if I, if I walked off the stage right now. <laughs> and if that was the end of the message. Because the end, what Jesus is saying, the end isn't the finished part. Because there's always something more that comes. And what Jesus is telling us is all these things, these horrible things, they are not the end. They are just the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of something greater. What mother doesn't understand the greatness of giving birth? It's a powerful, powerful story that Jesus is telling us. I think of other scriptures that give this, that, that emphasize this point as well. And I think of Paul in the book of Philippians at the beginning of it. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, he's, he's talking, he's just greeting the, the Christians. And he says to them, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue the work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isn't that redundant to say it's finally finished? Yeah, a little bit. It's finally finished. To finalize something is to finish it. To finish something is to finalize it, right? <laughs> so Paul is trying to make an emphasis here. When Carolyn and I got married, my wedding gift to Carolyn was a, I built her a, a, a hope chest uh, about this big, that tall, deep, wide, whatever. And uh, I didn't get it finished before the wedding day. I had it all put together. I had the, 
I had the lid on it, and, and it was all working. Actually, I made the lid too small the first time, but I gave it to her anyway. And so after, after we got married, I had to finish it. It took me months to finish it. I had to build a new, a new lid for it. And then after I built the lid, I had to finish it. Wait a minute, it's already finished. No, it's not. I had to sand it and sand it and sand it. And when I thought I had sand it, finished sanding it, I had to sand it some more because I wanted it smooth and I wanted it shiny. And then after I got done finished with the sanding with the, with the highest grit that I could, then I decided I need to still finish it. And so I, I didn't want to just put some polyurethane, some modern concoction of, of something to finish it with. I wanted it to be authentic. And so I was going to use good old shellac. <laughs> and if you've ever worked with shellac, you put on a very thin layer so that it doesn't run. And you let it dry. And then you take a thousand, uh, thousand grit steel wool or whatever it's called, and you sand that off. And then you put one more layer on it. Let it dry. And you put five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen, twenty layers of shellac on it. And then you wax the shellac. And then you've got to maintain that over the years and you keep finishing this hope chest. Finished. <laughs> Does not finish. Are you, is God finished with you yet? <laughs> God's still finishing me. Thank you, Jesus. And he keeps sanding me. He's smoothing me down and he puts me through difficult experiences through life. And he's just sanding me. And he wants me to be pure and holy as he is pure and holy. And he wants me to tell others the good news of Jesus. And he wants you to tell others the good news of Jesus. But you can't tell others the good news of Jesus if you're not living the good news of Jesus. So he keeps sanding us so that we can be perfect in everything that we do. So that people can just look at us and see God flowing in and through our lives. And then when necessary, we use words. And they ask us, why are you like this? And it says, because Jesus loves me and he forgives me and he gives me new life and I have the hope of everlasting life all these things that I'm going through God is going to take care of and I trust him and I can live with joy because of it thank you Jesus is God finished with you yet don't let God stop finishing you he's fulfilling this word tell us this word end doesn't mean it stops, doesn't mean it disappears. It means that it's becoming mature and complete. Like a fruit. I was at the store, the farmer's market the other day, and I, and I uh, saw some pears. And I love pears, but I like a ripe pear. And fortunately, they had some ripened pears on the counter there. Most of the time, they're green and they're hard, and you've got to take them home. And I don't want to do that because I forget that it's there, and then it rots before I get to eat it. So I saw these pears, and they were nice yellow. And I, and I grabbed a pear, and, and, and here's how I tell the pears ripe or not. Yes, the color is important, but I, I just press the flesh of the pear gently. And if the pear has a little bit of give to it, if it has a lot of give to it, I've ruined it and I put it back <laughs> because it's overripe and it'll be bitter and I don't want it. So I pick it when it's nice yellow and I press it gently. And if it's too, if it's too hard, if it's not ripe yet, I'll put it back and in a day or so it'll ripen and somebody else can get that one and I haven't ruined it. 
But I picked up this pear and I said, ooh, that's a good one. And I picked up another one and I said, ooh, that's a good one. I had to eat one of those pears as soon as I got in the car because I knew it was ripe today. <laughs> if I had picked up a banana that was ripe too, and I compared the two, and I ate both of them, would they taste the same? Could I say that uh, they wouldn't taste the same, but would I say that both are perfect? Sure. And, and, and that's what telos means. Sometimes the word telos gets translated as perfect. But it doesn't mean it's, it's perfectly identical to something else. It means that it has been allowed to mature to its fullest. That's what God wants for your life. That's what God wants for the church. That's what God wants for the world to mature it. And God has a plan for us and a purpose. That's what the word telos means. There's always a purpose indicated in telos. And Jesus says, when the purpose is fulfilled, these things will come. Are you fulfilling yet the purpose that God has for you? I hope so. And, and the way to get on to the purpose that God has for you is to, is to trust Jesus, first of all. Trust that He is who He says He is. They're looking for the Messiah. Jesus says, I am the Messiah, but I'm not the Messiah in the way that you think. Come and follow me. But you're going to experience these difficulties in your life. Trust me. Trust them. Follow me. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the power to do what, what you want to do. I heard a testimony this morning about uh, 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 a man's uh, father who was a smoker. And, and this adult son now was saying, I remember the, dad, the day my dad quit smoking. And the last, day I saw, what, the last act I saw my dad do with cigarettes was that he came forward to the altar in the church. And he prayed and he crumpled his pack of cigarettes and he laid it on the altar. And he never picked up a cigarette since then. He became fulfilled in that. And Jesus fulfilled the longing that he used to go to cigarettes for. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Where's the hope? When I give thanks to God for helping me through these things with trust that He is still bringing about His purposes. He's fulfilling me. How does that give me hope? <laughs> it gives me great hope. And you can have that hope, too. Jesus, we had, a, we had a funeral here yesterday. And as we were celebrating this beautiful woman's life, beautiful follower of Jesus, I said afterwards, this is a celebration and when we, we, when we invite people into our home for a celebration, and when somebody comes in and they're not eating anything, they're not enjoying the conversation, they're not drinking any of the beverages that we have provided for them, we go over to them because we're the host to them and we say, don't you want some? <laughs> and we've got God's Word here. And Jesus is here and He's setting this table of life for us. Don't you want some? Yes. We do. Come to Jesus. The end is not the end. What we're experiencing and whatever you're experiencing in your life is not the end. There's hope in it. Let me tell you, finish with this story. 
We have hope in Jesus. Once upon a time, there were two boys conceived in the same womb. Weeks passed, and the twins developed, and they grew in their awareness. And they said to one another, isn't it wonderful to be alive? What a great thing this gift of life is. They began to explore their world, and they found their mother's cord inside the womb. And they sang with joy. They sang, how great is our mother's love that she shares her own life with us. And weeks passed into months, and the twins noticed how they were changing. And they asked, what does this mean? What does this change mean? The other answered, it means that our stay in this world is coming to an end. The other one said, but I don't want to go. I want to stay here always. It's warm. It's comfortable. We have life here. The brother said, we have no choice. And then he suggested, but maybe there is life after birth. The other one responded, how can it be? We shed our own life. We will shed our own life's cord, the cord that gives us life. How is life possible without this? Besides, we've seen evidence that there were others here before us, and they've never come back to tell us that there's life after birth. Nope. I believe this is the end. And so that one fell into a deep despair, saying, if conception ends in birth, then what is the purpose of life in the womb? It's meaningless. And perhaps there is no mother after all. The brother replied, there has to be. How did we ever get here in the first place? And how are we still kept alive if there is no mother? The brother asked, have you seen our mother? Maybe she lives only in our minds. Maybe we created mother thinking that it would make us feel good. And so the last days in the womb were filled with deep questioning and fear until finally the moment of birth arrived. And when the twins had passed from their world, they opened their eyes and they cried out for what they saw exceeded their wildest imaginations. Come to Jesus. Whatever you're facing, whatever your fears are, do not panic. Trust in the Lord. We have a job to do. You, your life, whether you believe in Jesus or not today, right now, in this moment, your life has a purpose that can only be fulfilled when you connect your life with the life of Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sins. He rose from the grave. And as we sang, Jesus was resurrected in order that we can have life. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to teach us, to strengthen us, to give us the hope of everlasting life. Do you know that life? Come know Jesus today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. And here's a moment, Jesus. (laughs) A moment in time when life can change drastically for some of us who have never placed our trust in you. But in this moment, God, there's someone here perhaps, perhaps out watching online. Or maybe later this week as somebody watches this video over the internet and they kneel down beside wherever they're sitting and they say, Jesus, 
I've never fully experienced what Pastor Roger's talking about. I don't know what it is. I want to know. Jesus, forgive my sins. Forgive me, God, for not trusting you. Forgive me, God, for for thinking that I could live life my own way instead of the way that you have for me. Teach me, Jesus, how to live life. Because I'm scared that when this life is over, it just will end and all will disappear. But something in me, Jesus, says there's some truth in what Roger is saying. So, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. going to do what you say because I trust you. And I'm going to look at these things that are happening in the world or these things that are happening in my life as just the birth pains. And I thank you for the hope that you give to me that there is life coming. And I look forward to the day when I see it and experience it. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand together as we continue to sing and platform area is open here online continue to pray if you want if you want others to come pray with you they'll be here to do that at our prayer stations let's continue to worship god we are full of hope in christ let's sing
strengthen us and empower us to live in this world but not be of the world. To encourage people to show them your love until you return. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this weekend. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you next